Well, this morning, I want to talk with you about power. But I'm not talking about electrical power. I'm not talking about mechanical power. I'm not talking about political power. We've heard way too much about that these days, I think. What I'm talking about is your own personal power. Like maybe more specifically, who has the power in your house, in your family? You might determine this by asking a couple questions, like who gets to control the remote control when you're watching television? Who gets to decide where you order food from when you're gonna get takeout? Who gets to drive when you go on a road trip? Now some of you, I can see, are poking your spouse or one of your children. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, we have a six-month-old. They have all the power in our household. They determine when we are awake and when we sleep and when we eat. Well, we're celebrating Advent. It's the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season of promises. It's a season of focusing on what God did for us through Jesus. And it was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus even entered the world. A prophet Isaiah wrote a short verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that we're focusing on for these weeks leading up to Christmas. He says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Advent is a season of waiting. It's a time as we wait for the coming of the Messiah. Now, I think this is so appropriate because if anything these days, we know what it's like to wait, right? We are waiting for things to get back to whatever normal will be. We're waiting for a vaccine to come out. We're waiting for kids to go back to school, for everything to change. Now, whether it's this promise from 700 years before Jesus was born or whether it's our situation today, what we need to remember is that as we wait, God knows exactly what we need. And these four titles that are given to Jesus are what the Israelites were waiting for thousands of years ago. And really, they're exactly what we need and what we're waiting for today. So if you were here last week, Pastor Jason talked about how Jesus is a wonderful counselor, which means he came into our world to experience life fully. He understands the ups and the downs of life, all of the frustrations and the difficulties. And because he experienced it firsthand, he wants to lead and guide us through our ups and downs of life. He understands what you're going through. He's a wonderful counselor. Now today, we're going to look at how Jesus is also our mighty God. Jesus is our mighty God. Now this is an especially amazing thing to think about during this season as we focus on the Christmas story. Because Jesus is our mighty God, yet in Christmas, we celebrate how he came into our world as a helpless infant, completely dependent on his parents to survive. 
yet he's still our mighty God. Now, he didn't come into our world with an army behind him. He didn't have a marching band. He didn't have a fireworks display. No, he was born in a backwoods town, in a stable, in a manger, surrounded by animals. He came completely helpless and dependent on others, yet he is full of power and potential. Now, have you ever been somewhere before where you have been overwhelmed with a sense of God's power? For me, it typically happens when I'm out in nature somewhere. So recently, my family went to the Grand Canyon, one of my favorite places on earth. I think I had been to the bottom of the Grand Canyon three different times growing up. And so I was excited to bring my kids, and we decided we were going to hike from the South Rim down to the Colorado River and back out in one day, which is a pretty challenging hike. It's about 18 miles. It's 5,000 feet of descent and then ascent. So it's pretty tiring, pretty taxing on the body. But I was overwhelmed throughout this hike with God's power. You see, we had to start early in the morning when it was pitch black. And as we started to hike with our headlamps, we could see all of the stars. Not like anything we see in the city, but, you know, when you're out away from everything. And I was overwhelmed by all these stars that God had made. And then as the sun rose, to be able to see the layers of rock that had been carved away by the Colorado River. And then finally making it to the bottom of the canyon, walking along the banks of the mighty Colorado River, and then walking back up through all of these rock layers and remembering that all of this was created by God. The stars, the sky, the rocks, the river. Have you ever had a time like that when you've been overwhelmed by God's power? You see, it's the creator and the designer of the universe that we're talking about today. It's because of him that we gather to sing praises and to read his word our mighty God who holds this entire universe, including ourselves, in the palm of his hands. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And he writes this beautiful passage about God's amazing power. It's in Jeremiah 32, 17. And this is what he says. Ah, sovereign Lord. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I think this is an interesting verse because it starts with this Hebrew word, ah. It's actually a Hebrew word. Everybody try it together. One, two, three. Okay, you learn some Hebrew, you can share it with your friends, show off at parties. Ah, in Hebrew, means a painful groan. Now, it might be the sound that some of us made watching the Vikings-Cowboys game a couple weeks ago. But, G but Jeremiah, experiencing the stress and the difficulty of this world, says, ah, and then confesses this promise, makes this confession about God. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by what? 
by your great power. And then answering the question, well then what's too hard for God? Jeremiah says, nothing is too hard for God. But do you really believe that? Have you experienced that in your own life? I mean, maybe you barely got here today. Or if you're watching online, maybe it took all of your energy just to figure out how to dial in to this service on the internet. Maybe it seems like everything is crumbling around you in your life. But Jeremiah reminds us, nothing is too hard for God. Maybe your marriage is a mess and you don't know if it will survive, but nothing is too hard for God. Maybe you lost your job, maybe your business is close to going under, nothing is too hard for God. Maybe your doctor diagnosed you with an illness or a disease, a serious condition. Nothing is too hard for God. God is mighty. He is full of power. Nothing is too hard for God. Now, God has all sorts of amazing characteristics. And there's a bunch that are frequently talked about in theological circles that all start with the Latin word omni, which simply means all. So God is omniscient, which means he knows everything. The Bible says he knows all of our thoughts, which means some of us are in trouble right now because he knows we are simply planning what we're going to eat for brunch when the service is done, right? But I also think many of us experienced omniscience growing up, maybe from our mother. Like, did you ever have the situation where you had a great scheme put together? You were going to go steal some cookies from the kitchen. You were going to sneak out of the house. You were going to play video games when you were supposed to do homework. And your mother, without even looking at you, said, don't even think about it. It's kind of like omniscience. But God is also omnipotent or, or omnipresent which means God is present everywhere, which means people all over the world are worshiping in churches just like this, and he is present in them all. But also there are people watching online, and God is present with them, and there are people doing every other thing that we can think of, and God is still present. He says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. But now com combine that amazing characteristic with the fact that God is omnipotent, which means he's more powerful than anything else in the world. God has done miracles and wonders and signs throughout history, and he continues to do them today. There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too complicated for him. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard these characteristics named before. I know them in my head. I've even read and studied them. But sometimes I just don't see it. I look at the world that is so full of pain and suffering every single day. A world that has been overrun by a virus, 
by other diseases, by violence, by division, by famine, by hopelessness, and the list goes on. And I watch these things play out every night on the evening news or in the newspaper, and I can't help but think, God, where is your power? I mean, I thought you were omni-everything. So what gives? Many times in my ministry, I've sat with people as they have gone through horrible circumstances, whether it's families who've had a miscarriage or a stillborn birth, others who have been in car accidents, motorcycle accidents, job losses, drug addictions, cancer diagnoses. And they too wonder, they ask the question, God, where is your power? Maybe you're asking that question today. God, where is your power? I mean, this holiday season can be so difficult when we've had a loss of a loved one or we have relational friction going on. Maybe you've been waiting and praying for God to open a door. You've got a dream that he's put within you and doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Maybe by now you thought you would be here, but you're over here. And all you can say is, God, where is your power? God, where are you right now? Why don't you intervene? I know you've done it before, so why don't you do it right now? Well, this morning, with the rest of our time, we're going to dig into the greatest hope, the greatest source of hope that we can ever find. And we're going to see how Jesus' power is indeed real and at work but we just might not see it where we expect or even where we want it to be. So the first thing we need to remember is that Jesus' power is at work in you. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, I think it's so important to pause there and see what he's giving us the desire and the power to do. It's not to do whatever we want or whatever we desire. It's to do what pleases him, what brings him glory. See, the truth is, and it's a hard truth, the Christian life is not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. God's power is not so that we can have an easy life. It's not so that we will never face difficulties. It's not to take away every trouble. It's not to make us rich and successful. God's power is about changing us from the inside out. To take us from being selfish and self-interested to being someone who is full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control, the fruits of the Spirit. See, God's power is real. We just don't always see it because we often are looking in the wrong place. Now, maybe you're still not convinced today. You just don't see him or feel him working in you. You look around and it seems like everybody else gets all the breaks. Seems like they have an easy life, yet you struggle from day to day. Someone else always gets the prom promotion. 
Somebody else always gets the recognition. Maybe you feel like God has forgotten about you. Maybe you feel like he's given up on you. Maybe it just feels like nothing is really happening in your life. You think, God, where is your power in my life? You just don't see it. Well, let me reassure you today, God's power is real. Jesus' power is at work in you to change you, to make you more like him. And the hard thing is that one of the ways this is best done within us is when we face trials and tribulations. It's then that we open ourselves up to God's work like never before. Jesus' power is at work in you. Number two, Jesus' power is working for you. Isaiah 40, 29 says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. The weak get weary. That makes sense. But he says even the youths and the young get tired and stumble. The word that is used there, that Isaiah uses, is actually the word for Olympic athlete. He's saying even the best of the best, even people who seem like they have it all together, still will get tired and weary. But then he goes on to say, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Truth is, some of us desperately need to hear this today. Because if we're honest, we are weary and we're tired and we're worn out and we're broken. Maybe it took all that you have just to get to church today. It's coming to the end of the year. I don't know about you, but I've never been so excited to see a year come to an end. The good news, wherever we're at, is that God gives strength and power to the weary and the tired. I mean, can you think of a challenging time in your life when you felt that way? Maybe you're saying, can I think of a time? I mean, it's like all around me these days. Maybe you cried out to God. Maybe you questioned God. Maybe you just felt alone in it all. I can think of many times in my life when that's been true for me. Years ago, I took a call to a new church, and I had all sorts of great expectations and hopes and dreams, and it did not at all fit my expectations. I felt defeated. I felt like I was in the wrong place. I remember going home one night after a few months in this church, going to tell my wife, I think I made the biggest mistake of my life, I think we need to put our house on the market and get out of here. But now when I look back and I remember how we finally went to our small group and I was honest about what I was feeling and we spent time in prayer, I look back and now I see Jesus' power in that difficult situation. There was another time when one of our kids was very young and they were diagnosed with a serious medical condition And we were devastated and we were scared. We didn't know what to do. And it was doctor visit after doctor visit. 
all sorts of tests being run. And I remember going to our small group again, just completely not knowing what to do and spending time in prayer, spending time with people who had been through similar things. And now I look back and I see Jesus' power at work in that situation. The Apostle Paul, he wrote a majority of the New Testament, greatest missionary who's ever lived. Paul had a weakness. He called it a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. It was some sort of debilitating disability. Well, he cried out to God to take it away. He wanted healing. He wanted deliverance. At one point, he's crying out to God, not not just once, not just twice, but three times. And God responds in 2 Corinthians 12. God says, Paul, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in your weakness. So Paul then says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, it's then that I am strong. God tells him, my grace is all that you really need. And my power works best in your weakness. That's so opposite of what this world would tell us. But like God so often does, he turns everything upside down. He makes the impossible possible. And Paul says, because of God's great power, he's going to boast in his weakness. What would that look like for us? Paul says he even takes pleasure in all of the struggles and difficulties that he faces because they give a great testimony to God's power. Here's one of the greatest and most influential men in all of history who says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, when we admit how weak and broken we are, it opens us up to God's power like never before. A few years ago, I was a guest of a friend at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I love the authenticity and the honesty of these folks. They come in, they tell their story, they encourage each other. Someone comes in and they say, hi, I'm Joe. I've been sober for 30 days or for two years or for four years or whatever it is. And they acknowledge the first step is to admit that you are powerless over alcohol and that life has become unmanageable. And then they move on to the second step, equally important, which is to acknowledge only a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity. I think we all need to go through those steps. You see, with Jesus' power working in you, you can overcome anything. You can lead a different, a better life. You can overcome habits, addictions, relational friction, hopelessness, despair. 
But you need to choose the right power source because it's so easy for us to choose the wrong power source. Third and finally, Jesus' power is at work through you. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what we're about as a church, Calvary. We want to be filled with God's power so that we can go out and make disciples wherever we go. So that more and more people can experience God's power in their life. You see, our job is to go share the good news with people who need to hear it. If you're a Christ follower, you are a missionary. And you don't even need to have a passport or a plane ticket. You're going on a mission trip wherever you go. It might be your own household, your workplace, anywhere else in the community and beyond. And you have all of the power that you need. And the best part of God's power is that there's free refills. Every day we can be filled with the power of the Spirit. But you might be saying, I'm out of power right now. You know, the little thing on your phone where the battery is all the way down to the red. Maybe you're like, that's what my life is like right now. Well, you can say, God, give me your strength. Maybe you're facing day upon day of whiny kids. Maybe you lose your patience with your spouse. Maybe you're looking towards a family gathering with an uncle who will not stop talking about politics. Maybe you just feel sick and run down. Well, my encouragement to you is don't start thinking, I don't feel God's power. Don't base it on your feelings. Instead, base it on who God is. He is our mighty God. He is the source of power. Now, the very best news for every one of us is that God is so powerful that he can save us. No matter what sins and brokenness we have in us, God is so powerful that only he can save us. Salvation means we are saved from our sin, from our brokenness. We're saved from eternal judgment. Have you ever thought about how we, as a human race, can send people to space, but only God can bring people to heaven? Maybe what you really need today is God's salvation power in your life. Just like when we talked about those steps of AA, it all starts with admitting that you're a sinner in need of a savior. And then it's asking God to fill you with his forgiveness, his power, and his grace, this free gift. Ask him to live in your heart, to give you a new life, and to start to change you from the inside out. See, the Bible tells us the same power 
that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within us. And it's that power that makes it possible for us to love our families, to have patience with our children, to have grace for our coworkers, to face challenges every day, to weather this pandemic. And ultimately, it's what helps us be, become the people that God created us to be. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you are a mighty God, that you have all the power that we need, that you came in the form of a humble, helpless baby to experience all that life has to offer, to lead us and guide us to become the people that you created us to be. God, fill us with your power, fill us with your grace, fill us with your love. Help us to weather the storms of life and to still have hope in you. And then God, help us to be your witnesses, to share the good news of who you are and all that we say and do. And God, for anyone who has not experienced your salvation power, I ask that through your Spirit's help and power, you would open their hearts to your free gift of grace. Help us to remember to admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior and to accept your free gift that gives us the assurance of eternal life with you. And so, God, we thank you for who you are and what you are already doing in each one of our lives. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Let's all say together.